Father, we come before you, Lord God, this morning. We exalt your holy name. We give you all honor, Lord. We give you all glory and we give you all praise. We thank you, Lord, that you are high and lifted up. You are the king of kings. You are the king of glory. There is no one else, Lord, above you. We worship you, Lord, and we adore you, O Father, for you alone are worthy. Lord, as we bow down before you this morning, we ask, Lord God, that you will speak to us, O Father. Lord, you say, O Father, that, Lord God, your word will not return to your void, but it will accomplish every purpose for which you sent. So, Lord, I ask this morning that, Lord, as you use me as your vessel, as you use me as your instrument, that, Lord God, your word will accomplish every purpose for which you are sending it, and that, Lord God, it will fall in good, in good ground, O God, and activate growth, Lord God, in us. We thank you, O Lord God. We exalt your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I thought I would uh, get YouTube to do the preaching for me this morning. God bless. Paul is in a prison in Rome. Epaphras, a good friend, comes to visit him and shares about his grief. He had founded a church in Colossae, a city in the Roman province of Asia. Uh, today we call this region Turkey. The congregation consisted of a mix of Gentiles and resettled Jews. Actually, everything was going quite well, but then problems came up. Epaphras had prayed a lot about it at first, but then, in search for wisdom, he packed his things and went to the Apostle Paul to discuss the matter in detail. So what was the problem with the local church in Colossae? Okay. To explain the whole situation, we must first simplify the whole religious and philosophical universe. Generalizing, there are three main groups in humanity and therefore also three main schools of thought in this world. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God. So the Jews would be the conservatives on the right while the Greeks are the leftist liberals. And the third group, the Ecclesia, the Church of God, has nothing to do with either, because it is not of this world, but heavenly. The Ecclesia has its own system of thought, which does not come from people, but from God himself. Now, because the Colossians were a mix of both Jews and Greeks, that is, non-Jews influenced by Greek philosophy, they had problems in both directions, to the left and to the right. Not very cool, but even better for us because we can see how the Holy Spirit through Paul brings both systems of thought under the obedience of Christ, or in other words, how he dwarfed both the right and the leftist reasons. But before we dive into the details, let's zoom out and place this letter not only in its historical context, but also his biblical context. We will see how God used historical and geographical events to write a letter which is still relevant for you today in the 21st century. Not only that, but he also fits these writing into a broader spectrum of teaching and doctrines. And this is perhaps the most important part of all. So let's compare the letter to the Colossians with Romans and Ephesians, and let's see what that will bring. We have already taken a good look at the book of Romans. And there we learn how sinful man can be justified before a holy God. The core lesson is that we should not try to ferociously punch ourselves into becoming Mr. Perfect, puffing up our ego on how we are a splendid human being who keeps the law throughout our own efforts, but that we must die and be buried with Christ. 
In Ephesians, the Christians are already considered dead and are resurrected to sit with Christ in the heavenly places. So what we lack is a real link that closes the gap between these two letters. And this is where Colossians comes in. Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This verse connects the two letters in Romans logic, while the following verse connects them in Ephesians logic. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses. Another point of comparison is the Ecclesia, the church, and how each of these individual letters talk about it. In Romans, the church is described as a body with many members, while in both Colossians and Ephesians, we see the church through a head-body relationship point of view. The Lord Jesus being the head of the church, and the church, the body. In the letter to the Ephesians, the focus is on the members of the body, while in Colossians, the focus is the head. And there's a good reason for this. However, we will approach that in our next video. All you must keep in mind for our next video is that there are problems in Colossae, Jewish legalism and Greek thinking and philosophy. And also, very important, that the letter speaks in the overall biblical context of Christ as the head of the body. Not too hard, oh? All right. See you then in the next video. The next video is live. Okay. So as you might have gathered, could you bring me down a notch, please, Phil? As you might have gathered, we are doing the book of Colossians. And before I start, um, while I was preparing yesterday, uh, I just thought back to the time when I first got my driving license and my uh, photo card came through. My cousin said, oh, let me see. He took it and he looked at it and he said, oh, on here, it doesn't show that you are short. Where am I going with that? Uh, I have got a very, very short amount of time. so. I'll try and not show that I'm short. Okay. So we are starting with the book, uh, the book of Colossians and I am starting us off. Over the next couple of months, we will be diving deep into the book of Colossians and we will get to see a little bit more of what the video has been telling us. Uh, I might have uh, created a bit of a challenge for those that are coming behind me. If they don't cover that, then they might be in trouble. So it reads, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in, Je in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid in heaven of which you have heard the word of truth of the gospel which has come to you it also has it also in it is it has also in the world and is bringing forth fruit and also among you since the day you had and knew the grace of God in truth. As you have learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, 
who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Amen. So Paul here is writing a letter to the church in Colossae. The church was comprised of a, a group of people that he had never met before. Uh, this church had been started, as we had in verse 7, by his uh, fellow worker, uh, Epaphras. This was after he had visited Paul in prison and told him about the cultural challenges that the Colossians were facing. So we saw on the video that there, there are problems in Colossae. So these are the problems that Epaphras is talking about. So Paul is writing the letter here to encourage the Colossians and to strengthen them and to tell them that although there are many cultures that are around them, but there is one true wisdom that is found in none other than our Lord Jesus Christ himself. The letter should be read in, in four parts, uh, I'd say. Part one is looking at the exalted Messiah. Jesus is the exalted Messiah. And part two is looking at Paul's suffering in the prison. Paul looks at his suffering as suffering for Christ, for the love of Christ. And part three addresses the cultural challenges which are pressuring the people of Colossus to run away from Christ. While part four looks at the new life which is brought about the resurrection of Christ offers to those that believe. So over the next couple of months, as I've already said, we are going to be going through this letter that Paul has written to the Colossians. And we are trying to see how it applies to us as it applied to the church in Colossae back in the first century. The title of my uh, sermon this morning is Gospel Truth. What exactly is gospel truth? What do you think we mean by gospel truth? John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things that were made, were made, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So from this verse, we know that the word that is spoken about here is Christ. And when you read further on in, in, in chapter one, Paul talks about Jesus being the invisible image of the invisible God. As we read, as we have read from John, that through Christ, everything was made. Nothing that has been made today or in the past or that will be made in the future is made out of him. Everything on this earth and everything in the heavenly realms was made through Christ. Everything was created through him and for him. So Christ, in fact, holds everything together. If we know Christ, then we know that we are held together by him. Everything that has ever existed 
in this world, everything that will ever exist is held together by him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the Father but by me. Which means when Jesus, when we come to Jesus, we are coming to the truth. We are coming to that source of life. I was reading yesterday as, I, as a part of my daily devotion. And I was reminded that God revealed his will through his word. And when anything is definitely promised in the word of God, we know that it is his will to give us what, what he promises. If you want to read more about that, I'll urge you to go to John, 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. And it will tell you that this is the confidence that we have, that whatever we ask according to his, to his will, we have received. So when I pray, I can find some definite promise in the word of God. And I lay that promise before him. I know that my God will hear me. Why? Because it is his promise. And he says in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he'll never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who fled, from, who fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into the inner sanctuary of God. So, we used to live in an age where we had to go through priests. We had to go through different ways to get to God. But that all changed when Christ came and died for us on the cross. And the Bible tells us that through his death, we were redeemed. And if the Bible tells us, we know that the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. So which means everything that is in the Bible is God's truth. And Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae, is telling them to turn their focus to the Christian belief, which is the true gospel. If we look at uh, where this, the city of Colossae was situated. It was 100 miles away from Ephesus to the east, and it was on the river Lycus. Although the city was not an influential city, it was a trade city. And that means it was crossroads for ideas and religions. And that caused these problems 
that we are hearing about, that Epaphras is telling Paul about, and therefore Paul is writing to the church. The population, as the video tell, told us there, is comprised of uh, Jews and Greeks. The Jews came about 200 years before the, the birth of Christ, and they were fleeing Jerusalem from persecution from Antichrist the third and the fourth. So this church in Colossae is a new church and as everything that is new, as everything that is found is, is, is starting up, there will be problems. But the problems that are there are caused mainly by the philosophies that are going around. Uh, I did uh, think of uh, going into the philosophies, but that's not my forte. I'll leave that to Max. We read from verse three to eight. It says, we give thanks to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in the heaven of which you heard before and the word of the truth of, God, of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also to the whole world and is bringing forth fruit. And it is also among you since the day you had and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declares to us the love in the spirit. So the challenges that the church is facing there included the different philosophies that I'm talking about. Some people uh, believe that it took special knowledge to, in order to be accepted by God. And some people believed that you had to do something else in order to come to God. Even the ones that believed or that claimed to be Christians, they still believed that they had to do something more in order to be accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ. This did not only end there, it still happens even today. There are people that believe that they have got to work for their salvation, but we do not need to do that. We need to believe in Jesus Christ. So today we still live in the same era as the church in Colossae did. We need the wisdom to be able to navigate the type of society that we are in. Things have changed and the fear of God is, in, is, is, is very scarce. Yet the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. My question to you this morning is where does your wisdom come from? Is your wisdom coming from the internet? Is it coming from Wikipedia? Is it coming from social media? Well, James says in James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without fault and it will, give, it will be given to you. 
But when you ask, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such person is a dark-minded, unstable in all they do. And when you ask God and you doubt, you are making him a liar because he says in his word that whatever you ask in his name and believe, you have received. And the Bible also tells us that it is impossible for him to lie. So what type of a person are you? Are you that person that would doubt? And if you are doubting, you are no different from those that believe that there is another way to come to God other than through Christ. But we know that there is only one way. Jesus said in John 8 from verse 31, he said to the Jews, to, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We've established earlier on who this truth is. And the truth is our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we know him, that means he will set us free. And how do we get to know him? In John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If only you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is the only way to come to the Father. And have, we have to accept him as our Lord and say that we don't have to do anything else but to believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths as the Bible tells us in Romans 10 verse 9. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's nothing else that you need to do but do these things. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then there are people out there that do not know that have not had. Verse 14 goes on to say, how shall they call on him they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not had, of whom they have not had? And how shall they without a, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But, but they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 
So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As I mentioned earlier, the title of my message is Gospel Truth. How does the gospel truth, how does, the gospel, how does one get the gospel truth unless we take it out to them? We, we have each been called to do the will of God. We are different parts of the body, but we are parts of the same body. We have got a responsibility to bring the gospel of truth to the world. In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore, go ye therefore, and teach all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, and even unto the end of the world. Amen. He did not say to us to stay in the church building and wait for them to come. And Paul is writing here to the church. And he's saying, how shall they hear without a preacher? So I have got to stand up and go. You have got to stand up and go. Going starts with your local community. It starts with your place of work. It starts at the school gate, in the bus, or on the train. And you don't necessarily need to be standing on the street corner and shouting at the top of your voice, preaching, because we are not all called to be preachers in the street corners. So it is those small steps that make a difference. It is you going about and sharing your story to those that are around you. And when they hear your story, they get to hear what Jesus has done in your life. You might be scared, say, I, I can never do that. But the truth of the matter is, you will never walk alone. He says, I am with you even unto the end of time. So he is with you, whether you are sleeping, whether you are, you are awake, he is with you. And he promised that even in the Old Testament, when we look at the book of Joshua, uh, from Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe and do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from it to the right or left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate, you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will, 
and then you will have good success. Have I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So in closing, I want to remind us that because of the love that we have for one another, we have an impact that goes beyond our neighborhoods, that goes beyond our communities. Even though it starts there, it goes beyond. The love that we have is not just an ordinary love, but it is the love that comes from the Holy Spirit. It is an action, it is an attitude, not just an emotion. And as I was preparing this yesterday, there was a time where I felt I was alone. There was a time I felt like I don't even have the strength to pray. But then uh, somebody reminded me, I don't know who has come across the, the poem of the footprints where the writer says, I see two, two footprints, but in the times where I was in difficulty, there's only one set of footprints. Why did you leave me, Lord? And the Lord replies, where you see one set of footprints, it's because I was carrying you on my shoulders. So when we think we are alone or when we feel we are alone, let us remember that our faith is not an emotion. Let us remember that our faith is a relationship that we have with God. It's not about what we feel, but it is about our relationship with God. So you may be listen, listening to me this morning and thinking, but I don't have that new life of thinking, I don't have that new life of thinking that I had that new life but I've lost it. Well, my friend, my brother, my sister, you can still have that life. It's not too late. You can enjoy the love which the Holy Spirit gives. You can still live in that joy. All you need to do is lay it down at the feet of Jesus. It says in Matthew 11, starting from verse 25, it says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you have revealed them to babes or to babies or to children. Even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight Although all things, sorry, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and to the one whom the son will reveal him. So in order for us to know the father, we've got to know the son and in order for the son to be released, to be revealed to us, he will be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes on to say, come, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gently and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I want to invite you this morning to come to Jesus. I want you to come and enjoy this new life that is brought about the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to enjoy the life that he calls you to. This is the path that leads you to eternity. This is the path that gives you that, that peace that you need in your life. If you were to die in the next 24 hours, where would you be spending your eternity? Is your eternity sorted? I, I, is your path right with the Lord? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting from verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've said before you life and death, blessing, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for, your, for he is your life, that you may cling to him, for he is your life. And we saw in Matthew that Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. So he's calling us to come to him. He wants to give us rest. He wants us to enjoy that life of peace, that life of, of, of fellowship with him. So if that's you this morning, you might not have made that commitment. It might be that you don't know him or you have slipped away. Jesus is giving you that opportunity to come back to him. So if that's you this morning, whether you are online, whether you are in the building, I want to invite you as I, as I close and I, uh, and I pray, I want to pray for you. So with all heads bowed down and all eyes closed, if that's you this morning, just put your hand up and I will pray with you. Remember that Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll also acknowledge before my father. So if that is you this morning, you are acknowledging Jesus and you are inviting him to come into your life. And you are setting that path for yourself, the path that leads to eternity. And if you have put your hand up, I am going to pray for us. And you can pray after me as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you this morning. I confess my sin. 
I say, Lord, I'm sorry for all I have done. I ask you, oh Lord, to cleanse me. I ask you to purify my heart. And I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I now receive you as my Lord. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer, believe that you have been born again. And if you are joining us online, we urge you to either get in touch with us or to contact your local church, a Bible-based church, and they will help you to go on with your journey with Christ. And secondly, I would like to pray for people that might be experiencing a difficult situation, challenging situation, could be health situation, it could be a family situation, it could be a work situation. And if there is anyone that needs prayer, uh, just put your hand up. You don't necessarily need to come up front. As we do, I'll ask the worship team to give us a song, please. Lord, we pray in the name that is above every name. Lord, you said at your name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Lord, we say every situation shall bow before your name. Lord, every challenge that your children are facing shall bow in your name, Lord. Father, I pray this morning, Lord God, I lift up your children to you, oh God, this morning. You say in your word, Lord God, that even before we open our mouth to ask, Lord God, you already know what we need, oh Father. So, Lord God, we come this morning, oh God, and we lay down, oh Father, all those requests before you, oh God. Lord God, we know that you are a faithful God. We know that you are a God that answers prayer. We know that you are a God that makes a way where there is no way. We know that you are a God that heals all our diseases. We know that you are a God that you set your children free. Lord God, this morning, oh God, we are praying, oh Father, that by your blood, oh God, you will set your children free. That, Lord God, you will release the captives, oh Father. Lord God, I pray, oh Father, that, Lord God, you will break the lie of the enemy, oh God. That, Lord God, your truth, oh Father, will prevail, oh God. I pray, oh Father, that every, every lie that he has, he has planted in your children, that, Lord, it will be released. And, Lord, your truth truth will be planted that Lord God you will set them free I pray your oh father those that are struggling with family situations at home Lord you know each and every situation Lord I pray that Lord God you will bind them together bind them together with love bind them Lord God with chains that can never be broken Lord I pray your oh father against the spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, oh Father, that it will be broken, that, Lord God, you will bring your life. Lord, I pray for those that are suffering this morning with mental health, oh God. I pray, oh Father, that, Lord, you say all is well. Lord, I pray for your release, Lord, this morning. I pray that you will set the captives free. Lord, you say there is power. There
there is power in the blood of Jesus. So this morning, Lord, we invoke that power into your children, oh Lord God. I pray that, oh Father, they will be set free. That, Lord, you'll take charge, you'll take control of every situation, oh God. Lord, I pray for our children, oh God, that they will be protected, oh Father, as they go out and as they come in, oh Father. I pray, Lord God, that as they go into the schools, oh Father, that, Lord, you'll cover them, oh God, with your, with your hedge of protection. Lord, I pray for parents, oh God, that you'll give them wisdom, oh Father. For true wisdom, Lord God, comes from you. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling with health conditions. Lord, you say it in your word, oh Father, that by your stripes we are healed. So Lord, let your healing be at work in us this morning. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling with sin. Lord, that you will set them free. That, Lord, they will know your truth. For your word says, O oh, Father, that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. Lord, I pray for that freedom. I pray, Lord God, for those that have distanced themselves from you. That, Lord, you'll draw them back to you. Bring them closer to you, O oh Lord. For only you, O oh God, are the God that heals. Only you, O oh God, are the God that restores. Lord, I pray for those that are, are, are struggling with their finances this morning. Lord, you said you'll supply all our needs through your glorious riches in Christ. Father, meet, meet them, Lord, at their point of need. Lord, let there be a testimony, oh Father, of your goodness. We have already heard of testimonies, Lord God, to answer to prayer. Lord, you are a mighty God. Nothing is too hard for you, oh God. So, Lord, we thank you. We exalt you this morning. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We say, Lord, come and have your way. Come and be lifted. Come and be exalted. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.